The views and opinions expressed in the following podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the producers, the affiliates, or digital platforms hosting this podcast. All content is for the purposes of education, conjecture, and at times entertainment. We promote inclusiveness and diversity. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Into the Deep with Jay Costa. about today's guest, the clairvoyant, intuitive psychic, and best-selling author, Elizabeth April. She's the host of Expand with Elizabeth April podcast. She's a truth seeker, born with extrasensory abilities, who's been featured on Vice, Gaia TV, and most recently, a featured expert on Unidentified with Demi Lovato on Peacock TV. We talk about Elizabeth April's book, You're Not Dying, you're just waking up, and even an exclusive unveiling of some upcoming ventures. We talk about genuine, unconditional love and why it's key to opening hearts and minds to a shifting paradigm, especially to the possibility of extraterrestrial life and helping humanity become more unified, something which seems to be more important now than ever before. So, join me as we seek light and journey into the deep with Elizabeth April. Enjoy. Thank you. Uh, if you could share with, uh, share with our listeners uh, who you are and what it is you do. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my name is Elizabeth April and right now I'm 29. Um, when I was born in this life, I was born with something called extrasensory abilities. Um, I believe that pretty much, you know, many, many people are born with this, um, whether they're aware of it or not. And basically all that means is that, you know, we're tapped into senses beyond just our five senses. And uh, I believe like innately, we're all psychic, we're all telepathic, we have these abilities, but you know, through time, we've just really shut them off. So when I was a kid, um, I was really sensitive to other people's thoughts, feelings and emotions, um, which actually gave me a lot of anxiety, especially going out in public places. Um, I was uh, clairvoyant, I'm still clairvoyant. Basically, that means that I'm able to see a lot of things. So as a kid, I was able to see like shadows, ghosts, spirits, um, energies around me. I was able to see um, chakras and auras from other people around me as well. Um, so that uh, was really interesting. Um, you know, I had a very split kind of family uh, when I was a kid. So uh, my dad, definitely an old soul, you know, he would ask me, like, who are you talking to? And what are they saying? And, you know, and that kind of stuff. Whereas my mom was really freaked out and like, oh, my God, like, just shut it down. Or like, you're watching too many scary movies or whatever. But, you know, either way, really supportive parents. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Um, I was raised Catholic. So 
uh, I was convinced I was talking to God at like six years old. And I went up to my dad one time and I said, dad, you know, um, I'm talking to God and, uh, you know, the Bible has it all wrong. Right. And I said, you know, the Bible tells us that God is a man, but I'm talking to God and God's a woman. And I love it because the audacity that I had to say the entire religion was wrong based on the experience that I was having. I now look back on it and understand that that was definitely a spirit guide of mine. Um, uh, now understanding, you know, the different species and, and dimensions and beings out there, I do believe that it was a Palladian spirit guide of mine um, that I was talking to back then. But I mean, religion tells you that if you're talking to something and seeing something that no one else can see, it's either God or the devil. And this is a very lovely energy. So I just assumed it was God. Um, so that was kind of my, you know, my childhood. At the age of 10, I shut off all of my abilities. Um, I really just wanted to fit in. I did this very consciously. Um, I was the weird kid, you know, I just, (laughs) I would teach a friend how to meditate and levitate, you know, uh, rather than, you know, everything else that kids were doing back then. So I did shut it off. Um, I got heavily involved in sports. I kind of made the conscious decision, like, what are all the popular kids doing? Oh, they're in sports. Let's just go ahead and do that. So I did that. And I kind of played this game and I started making friends and it was really great until it wasn't until I got really freaking depressed and the anxiety came back tenfold. And I really believe that, you know, the, con- the overconnection gave me anxiety, but the disconnection also gave me anxiety as well. So around the age of like 14, 15, 16, heavy depression, lots of suicidal tendencies. And I was seeking, you know, answers. And, you know, my questions were, who are we? What are we doing here? What's the point of this? What's the bigger picture? I remember thinking at 16, like, if this is it, if you go to school only to go to more school, only to get into debt, only to lock in a nine to five job, then to pop out some kids and work until you die, I'm out of here. This is not the life for me. Like this can't be all that there is. And I remember going to like high school teachers, therapists. I remember talking to my friends, you know, like, come on, like, aren't you questioning things too? Like, shouldn't we really understand the deeper picture of this? And every single time I was just met with blank stares, disappointing answers. I even went to a priest like, all right, come on, you're the authority figure. Like, tell me what's up. Like, what does God say? This is all about same thing, just completely um, disappointed by every single turn that I made. And then uh, it was my dad, actually, which is weird because he's an engineer. Um, he's the one who was Catholic, but he was also very much so an old soul, very spiritual. And he studied past life regression on the side with his engineering degree. And uh, and so at 16, he's like, hey, you know what? You've tried a lot of options. Are you interested in me doing a past life regression for you? Like, yes, anything. Like, I didn't have any expectations, but I'm like, anything's got to be better than than this. I didn't know what to expect. So at 16, in about an hour and a half, we went into about five different lifetimes. Um, And it was wild. You know, we went into lifetimes where I was like a monk, where I was a shaman, um, where I was a slave, um, where I was persecuted for the information that I was able to receive But after that experience, um, two major things, you know, came to me as far as a realization or these truths. 
one, reincarnation is real, uh, that and that I wasn't just a 16-year-old, and thank God I wasn't. You know, there's so much more to unpack. And two, time is actually an illusion, because at 16, in an hour and a half, I could experience and re-experience five entire lifetimes. Like, what? Why isn't anyone talking about this? Um so I ended up taking my dad's past life regression notes. I copied them into my own notebook. And two years later, I went away to university myself. And, um, and this is how I made friends in university. I went to a town that I didn't know anyone. And, you know, I'd go up to kids in my class and say, hey, do you believe in reincarnation? <laughs> you want to see something cool? So it was like a party trick, which is probably so morally wrong because... <laughs> I mean, I had no training. I didn't know what I was doing. And I'm taking people into these trance-like states and it worked. You know, I started like people who are skeptics, people who are non-believers, uh, you know, science majors. I would take them into these past life regressions. Um, and I started to realize, you know, there are so many different lifetimes that we can experience. There's so many different lessons that we can learn. And this is basically how I made my friends in university. So at a certain point in time, still when I was 18, I started to realize that not everyone was able to be regressed. So I thought to myself, they're unable to let go of their current reality. And I understood that because if you're only ever told that this is all that there is, then it's hard to kind of let go of that. So I wondered you know, is it possible for me to regress myself into a trance-like state instead of regressing that person and taking mm. an hour to regress them and then navigating for about half an hour? Can I just do this myself right. uh, and then tap into their Akashic records, tap into their lifetimes and information? And I was able to do this. And instead of taking an hour to regress myself, you know, it was maybe 20 minutes to re wow. relax my ego mind and, mm. and be in a state of objective neutrality. Uh, and all the visuals, all the information, all the lifetimes started coming to me about them. Then I started asking, well, do I really even need a person in front of me to go where I want to go? Mm. What about going into ancient you know, Greece? What happened back then? What about tapping into Jesus's lifetime? Can I do that? And I started to do these things. And now I realize that it's actually just remote viewing and astral traveling and being able to really kind of determine your, your target and to go into that place. But time doesn't exist in a linear fashion when you get into that space. So I started to bring back all of my psychic abilities, you know, the precognition, the clairvoyancy, um, the telepathy, astral traveling, remote viewing, uh, lucid dreaming. I mean, all of that started coming back at 18. It was kind of my, my reawakening. And then in one of my past lifetimes that I started to, to realize so at this point, you know, I would stub my toe and get thrown into a past life, or I would smile mm. at a stranger on the street and get thrown into a past life where we knew each other. Um, and I, if you asked me if aliens existed, you know, at that point in time, I'd say, for sure, there's got to be something else out there in the universe, but there's no way they're on this planet. Like we are one of trillions of terrestrial planets out there. This, we're an ant-like species. I mean, we're basically cavemen compared to them. There's no way they would bother with us. Um, 
so in one of my past lifetimes, I was a yogi in Burma and I was, uh, I was basically able to like levitate and do all these cool things. And I practiced this teaching called Vipassana. And, uh, and I found out that there was a Vipassana uh, center, like two hours away from my university. So I'm like, I'm going to go hit that up. I'm going to go for a 10 day silent meditation retreat and re-experience this knowledge from a past life. And so on the second night of this meditation retreat, I ended up getting abducted by interdimensional beings. And it was like, it wasn't just like an astral travel. It was a Mm -hmm. full on physical experience abduction, very conscious um, abduction experience. And it was also very fear-based. Like it was a very scary kind of experience to go through. Um, And after processing, you know, that kind of experience and the fear around it, It took me about two weeks to really start to open up to, oh my goodness, aliens are real. They are here. So now I have a slew of other questions to unpack and understand as far as like, who are we compared to them? And why are they here? And why are they interested in us? Um, And then shortly thereafter, I uh, was basically hanging out with my friends um, in my like student housing. And I started to feel really uh, like lightheaded and dizzy. So I'm like, Hey, I'm just going to excuse myself, go into my bedroom. And so I sit down, close my eyes, kind of like to meditate, just to ground myself. And there's this like seven foot tall white light being that like enters my room. He looks very humanoid. I would definitely call him a Palladian or at least Mm -hmm. an astral projection of a Palladian. And he says, hi, Elizabeth, you know, there's a, a meeting with the Galactic Federation and you're invited to this meeting in two days time. And we really want you to be there. Um, and I'm like, what? So I'm like, OK, cool. So he told me that the meeting was taking place on the morning of December 21st. And this was 2011. So, I mean, we were all preparing for the apocalypse in 2012, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Mayan calendar, all that. So I'm like, OK, this is interesting. And so he said that the meeting was happening at 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is my time zone at that time. And uh, so he said, whatever you do, you have to be awake. You have to make sure that you're awake when this meeting takes place. So I'm like, OK. So at 1 a.m., I mean, I was a student, so I was used to pulling all-nighters. Um, at 1 a.m., you know, I set my alarm, woke up, chugged like a large coffee, and I meditated for that hour. 2 a.m. hit. He entered the room again, just like he did two nights uh, or two days earlier. And he's like, all right, follow me. At this point, I was very well versed in remote viewing. So I took my astral body, followed him. um, And this is when uh, I got introduced to the Galactic Federation of Light. um, And we can talk all about that. But uh, that was about 10 years ago now. That was 2011. Um, That was when I was 18, 19 years old. I'm 29 now. So it's been 10 years of unpacking these really big picture kind of ideas, understandings. And then, of course, relaying all the information that I've uh, learned and channeled uh, to humanity the best I can. So it's a mouthful, but that's pretty much where I come from and and who I am and what I'm all about. Right on. Wow. (laughs) Thank you for sharing. Um, It's it's. Obviously, for for folks who might not, uh, you know, understand how everything works, you know, and just scratching the surface on things, maybe with even just spirituality or consciousness or even getting into that, you know, obviously, it would seem like a, a lot for people to really take in. How, how do you go about it? Obviously, you know, you're you know, a best-selling author and you were able to try and put, um, and I say try, those are my words, because how can you really fit everything with our our words and our vernacular into that kind of experience. 
Um, what are some of the things you do to try and really just get people to understand, you know, how impactful and how momentous that occasion was for you in that moment in time? Um, I mean, ultimately it, it shifts your entire perception of life. Uh, and that's really all that it shifts though, right? I mean, eventually it will shift your physical reality so that you are aligned to your highest and most authentic vibration, mm-hmm. which I've seen. And that takes a lot longer, right? The 3d dense physical reality, just it's, it's so slow that it takes a while to kind of realign, but your perception, your mindset, your outlook, your knowledge can shift everything 111% instantaneously, right? And um, what I'm noticing right now to kind of bring it to a practical level on planet earth with humans who are listening to this, because I believe anyone listening to this is, you know, they asked for maybe some answers and and here's their opening. Um, I really believe that the vibration on planet earth is shifting. Uh, and it's shifting rapidly. And, and all that means, right. It's a lot of words, but all that means is that human beings are being forced to change their perception. So one kind of aspect of this reality is what I call autopilot programming. And basically what that means is that people are just going about their life. They're going about their day and they've never really questioned things. They've never really wondered, and you could call it maybe like philosophy, right? They've never really questioned like, what more is there? Or like, is there a different job for me? It's kind of like, well, this is the job that I got 10 years ago. So this is the job that I'm in. And this is the only reality for me. Um, And so especially with the pandemic, especially with everything that happened in 2020, and I smile when I say that because it really shook a lot of things up. And I believe that when we're forced to get out of our uh, programming, when we're forced to get out of our day-to-day routines, when we're forced out of that nine to five, we're forced into to different routines. We're forced to change. And I believe that as long as you're willing to change, you're willing to um, up-level your vibrational frequency because in order to change, we need to, to choose a different path, right? And the second we choose a different path, we work with different frequencies. We work with different energies and that allows us to expand, that allows our minds to open up, that allows our perception to change. And it allows us to think, oh, well, maybe there's a different way. And some people go 25 years without ever thinking, is there a different way? Which blows my mind because I think every second of my life is different, you know? Same. (laughs) Um, And it's really important for me to always choose a different path because I'm here to soak in as much experience as possible. And that's why I think my story could be very overwhelming for some people because it's like, wow, that's a lot in one lifetime. And I'm not even, you know what I mean? 30 yet. Um, but what, what I really feel like is happening. So my experiences with the past life regression, my experience with the abduction, yeah, they're extreme experiences and it did rattle my world, but I was, I was looking for that right now. There are experiences that I believe that everyone is having that are rattling their world that are shaking them up a little bit. And it's scary. It is really freaking scary to change because what is human beings? Number one, biggest fear. It's the fear of the unknown, right? And when we change, we don't know what's going to happen. Right. And and this is where like people who are in abusive relationships, you know, we kind of look at it and say, well, I mean, come on, like, why don't you just leave? Why don't you just, because the fear of leaving and the fear of something different is actually scarier 
than being in a relationship that is so, um, you know, terrible and awful, right? So that is a, a really good testament to how unwilling humans are to really take that leap and take that change. So my first book, and I'm I'm writing my second right now. My first book is literally called You're Not Dying, You're Just Waking Up. And I really feel like that title encapsulates the entire awakening experience because going through the ego desk, going through the breakdowns, going through the anxiety, going through the change, going through the fear of the unknown, um, going through the awakening symptoms of like, oh my God, am I having a heart attack? Am I dying? Like it literally feels like you're dying and you're awakening. So awakening is a great thing, but it's not all butterflies and rainbows and we need to realize that too. So yeah, so I feel like to explain it to people, it's change, right? So the awakening sounds like a woo-woo, fluffy, you know, sort of hippy-dippy concept, but truly all awakening is, is change. Changing your vibration, which it really just means your perception or your outlook on life, and therefore eventually changing your physical reality, not to be some sort of guru on a pedestal, but to actually just align your physical foundations to your most authentic and highest vibrational self. Absolutely. And very well articulated. It's, why do you think it's so difficult for, especially now in, in, you know, our society, obviously there's so many different mechanisms at play here, things that keep us divided, fearful of one another, keeping us just our consciousness and our, just who we are, our vibration, just so minimized. Why do you feel it's so difficult for maybe some even some of our peers, right? I'm sure you've you've had friends, and I have friends that just find us, you know, like okay, that's you know, well, that's Elizabeth, you know, or that's Jay, or that's so and so. That's just that's who they are. They're our fun friend, you know. Like they think a little bit differently, but like, why do you think it's so difficult for some of our peers to really open their hearts and minds to a different reality? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know what? In so many ways, I. I don't blame them because although it's up to the individual to make the free will choice to change or to see something a different way or to not be as stubborn, um, it's a systemic issue, right? I mean, it's the indoctrination of, of our humanity is really truly what it is. And we see that all over the world, no matter, you know, what uh, society you're living in, it's the education system. It's the financial system. I think the fear is, well, I don't want to disrupt what I currently have. You know what I mean? I don't want things to get worse. I don't want to be persecuted in the eyes of everyone else. You could be the weird one. Cool. You know, that's your label. You're owning that. Good for you. But I don't want to be that, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I went through that. I mean, I, I shut down my spiritual gifts to, to fit in because I also didn't want to be the weird one. I didn't want to be persecuted, you know, and I had to go through that experience of like, no, this is worse actually. (laughs) worse to be like everyone else. So I'll go back. (laughs) Right. Um, And like I said, like, I think we all have the capacity to be psychic. Like I really, truly believe that everything I can do and experience, everyone else can do and experience. It's a scary world. And the thing is like, and I have open discussions with like my community all the time about this. Um, It is, it takes more energy to look at the world a different way than it does to look at it the way that it's been presented to us. Mm. It's easy to go through life 
and I, I'm using a robotic symbolism here. And it's true. And mm-hmm. to do do our nine to five and to come home and to watch some TV and to play with our kids and to be the roles that we set out to be and 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 fit into that. It's so easy. Yeah. But then all of a sudden it's like, well, where's my energy at? How do I feel about this? You, I mean, it takes a lot of work to go to those deeper levels. And and the whole you're not dying part is, can I swear? Of course you can, please. Okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Holy 100%. shit. <laughs> you know? Right. Like, holy fucking shit. Yeah. My life is is actually not what I thought it was. And part of the the hardest part of the awakening, you know, is the beginning. Um, and it's the ego death. And the mm. ego death is I'm not happy. And to actually take a look at your life and admit that to yourself, what that means is like, for me, when I had that, and I've had many of these ego deaths, so I've had many realizations of like, shit, I'm not, yeah, I'm not happy, which means I need to change everything about what I'm doing right now. Everything about who I am, because I'm projecting something that I'm not, you know, and that means once again, you have to analyze, you have to look at, and you have to change everything. And in my book, I kind of really unpack this concept, especially at the beginning of the book, because it's, it goes in chronological order to what you would experience during an awakening. Right. And um, it's like, it's kind of like opening that door. And like once you walk through, you can't unsee that, right? You can't unwalk through that. But some people do realize mm, I'm not happy, but I'm going to pretend that I don't know that. And I'm going to keep going. And I think we see that a lot in the boomer generation and like in our parents' generation of like, come on, like you're so clearly, you know, defense mechanisms, you know, security blankets. You're so clearly unhappy and everyone else can see that. And yet you're hanging on for dear life to this reality that isn't actually serving you. And then anytime that's challenged, you push it back in everyone's face. And it's like, what do you do with a person like that? You know? Um, And I I just want to mention to people who are maybe resonating with this, this kind of sentiment is it's not your responsibility to do anything for these people. And the problem is with old souls or like, you know, starseed individuals, right? Volunteers on this planet. For old souls who are in families who are maybe very young or very like ignorant in a sense, um, we're such empaths that we feel that you're struggling so much. And I'm so happy because I've done the work and here I am. And if you just dig a little bit deeper, like you can do the work too. And you could be really, truly, authentically happy for the first time in your entire life. And so we try and push that on them so much because we just love and care about them. And we just really, truly feel that they're struggling. And at a certain point in time, you hit the wall, you hit the wall, you hit the wall, you're funneling all your energy into this black hole. And eventually you're like, yeah, this isn't serving me anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. And then you, it's, and then you pull back and you're like, wow, I'm, I'm like way better. I'm like way more energized. I'm like, not exhausted every time I talk to you anymore because I'm not trying to help you every single time. And when we stop the enabling, they actually learn their lessons. So it's really funny how like children of those kind of parents are more emotionally intelligent and more responsible 
and more aware than their parents themselves. So it's like we're parenting our parents and it's Mm -hmm. kind of an eye roll and it continues to be an eye roll situation. Um, But it's also very common. And and like I said, best thing to do is really step back, create healthy boundaries and let them learn it on them, you know, for themselves, kind of like letting your kid touch a hot stove instead of preventing them from doing that every time let them do it. Yeah. That sucks. You know, you're making everyone feel awkward and uncomfortable here and that's you. Okay. So that, you know, that's, that's a huge experience as well with the awakening is, is that empathic pull and, and going through those ego deaths and, and feeling that change. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more, you know, um, just going through some things, even myself in, you know, um, in my personal life where I, by nature, being empathetic, being an enabler because I care about people and wanting what's best for them and trying to help them and wasting all of that energy and focused on them, leaving none for myself. Being okay with that almost martyristic quality about myself to get to a point where you say, wait a minute, I have to draw a proverbial line here. You know, um, why is that so challenging for individuals that are really just trying to share that kind of love? Like, why is it hard for folks who are empathetic to be able to draw that hard line? Yeah. I mean, I think it's just because we're, we feel more than the person themselves are feeling. So it's like, you're not admitting to yourself that you're unhappy, but I, it's oozing out of you. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, we, we want to, we, we not only want to like make them see that they're unhappy, but we want to help them with that unhappiness. Right? right. So it's just that it's that feeling. It's the the vibration of like, you're picking up on something that they're not able to see themselves. And one huge um, kind of lesson that I've learned in, in this life so far is the difference between love and unconditional love. Ah. And yeah. And these older generations, and like, I hate to say this, but I've definitely experienced it with my own family, even with my own dad, who great. He brought me into spirituality, but like his, his role kind of ended there. And he's kind of like, he's got to do a lot of work. Um, And so, you know, it's like the conditional love. So it's like, I love you. Okay, but you love me when I have a nine to five job and I'm making good money and I'm proving to you that I'm like a part of society because anything else uh, is uncomfortable for you because I'm not aligning to a system that you were indoctrinated into. And I'm not going to blame you for expecting me to be a part of a system that you were convinced is the only thing that exists but I am blaming you for being unwilling to see my side of things as well. You know what I mean? And I really feel like these younger generations coming in, they're like, uh, yeah, screw the system, screw the norms, Mm -hmm. uh, screw your side. You know, we're going to see it all. We're going to do what we want to do. And that really pushes the norms that pushes the narratives that really triggers a lot of people. Um, But we, we need that. We need, we need disruptors in the system right now. And I believe that we have that um, in the younger generations. And then there's like a few kind of rebels in the older generations as well. who are like, yeah, screw the system. You know, I've been fighting against it the whole time. (laughs) Right. Right. Which is beautiful. Right. So I've had clients who are nine to five uh, to clients who are, you know, uh, 10 years old. Right. So it's, it's just really beautiful to see all the different generations and the way that they've kind of awakened and and been holding right. it down for us for such a long time. Um, so, yeah. So I really believe that these these older generations, not to be ageist, but 
um, they were raised with conditional love. Their parents taught them that as long as you adhere to my standards, <laughs> I will love you unconditionally, right? But but there's standards, there's conditions. Right, right. there's right? conditions within meet, that. Yeah, there's conditions within the unconditional love. That's not unconditional love, right? Mm. So um, what's really difficult is when we start to truly unconditionally love ourselves, I don't care how much weight you put on during quarantine. I don't care, you know, Mm -hmm. what you, I don't care how much money you're making as far as me, right? Like I don't, I have no standards on loving myself. I don't care how good or bad of a person you are in the eyes of society. I love you. I care about you. The second that you start to unconditionally love yourself, is the second that you see so clearly the conditional love that everyone else around you puts on you. And then you're like, that's okay. I don't love you any less because you conditionally love me. And that's the example of unconditional love. I will continue to unconditionally love you. And that's kind of where like the difficulty is, is like I'm unconditionally loving someone. They're still conditionally loving me. And that can be a very difficult pill to swallow. That can be a very difficult hurdle to jump through um, is, is really feeling that, that conditional love. And what I would recommend for people who do really like feel this and align with this and say, oh my God, like I feel that, you know, in my family dynamics or friend dynamics is uh, don't take it personally, really. Once again, like once again, you know, it's up to them to really understand your side. Um, but also it's a systemic issue. And I think, the longer we hold space for ourselves and just hold space for them without any sort of expectation or attachment or giving an overgiving of ourselves to them and just holding space objectively, um, the faster they will turn around and, and really start giving that back to us. So um, it, it, it will happen, but it is a slow process. Right. hundred percent, you know, and, and talking about that self-love and being able to align with that. Uh, you know, it's, it's in that discovery of that self-love and holding that space for, like you said, yourself and that unconditional love for yourself that we're able to, then we move our consciousness. We're moving our vibration. If we're truly unconditionally loving who we are, then we're opening ourselves up. So, which brings me to, you know, asking you a little bit more about, you know, you know, how this is going to parallel into, you know, this, this council that, you know, that you were introduced to and, how you felt as a being here, you're able to, you were able to connect with that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to mention one more thing about unconditional love. <clears throat> um, and I think it's a process for everyone to like, kind of get to, like, I'm still on the process of like really experiencing that. And I still catch myself in judgments and, and systemic things. Of course. Um, but like when you step into that, it's like every flower, like you're unconditionally loving too. You know, you really do become that like typical hippie. Um, like the other day I was walking my dog and I like met a snail on a leaf. And I was like, this is the most beautiful snail I've ever seen in my life. You know, and I'm yeah. just like connecting to this like other being. And it's absolutely incredible. And so you become unconditionally loving to every aspect of your reality as well, um, which is really incredible. So uh, when you get to that place where it's like, you don't see race, you don't see gender, you don't see 
different cultures. You just see these beautiful souls, you mm. know, existing on this planet. Um, you can then start to really understand or experience or tune into interdimensional beings, you know? Um, and I feel like this is why like my community is like, when is contact going to happen? When is, con- when are we going to have disclosure? I'm like, I get that some of you have been waiting your entire <laughs> lives for this because you've believed this your entire life. But if they came down from the sky tomorrow, we're going to shoot them down with nukes and, and, and freaking guns and all this bullshit. Um, and, and the reason why, because my people don't understand, you know, but there's so much fear. And if a society, if a civilization can't unconditionally love themselves, let alone their freaking neighbor. Uh, what what do you think is going to happen when weird looking beings that don't look human at all? I mean, we can't even love a different religion, let alone a different species from a different dimension with different technology and different understandings than us. We have to get to a certain place with their own conscious understanding um, before we can like allow them into our collective consciousness um, you know, at a global level, it doesn't mean that contact isn't going to happen for you at an individual level. If that's what you want to have, I mean, it's, it's going to, it's, it has been happening for many people at an individual level, but collectively it's just not going to happen until we can fully come to this realization and, uh, and connect with one another and, and ourselves at that unconditional level. Such a great point. You're right. I mean, if we we still can't even love our neighbors, we, you know, if we're judging people based on, you know, the com, you know their complexion, the color of their hair, their gender, you know, whatever. It's we compartmentalize, we label, we fear, and there's just this perpetuation of of that fear mongering that happens. Sadly, so you're right. We still have to work on that. What are some things that you know you feel that you've learned through your connectedness through you know, that with interdimensional beings that you feel like, I mean, I guess, are you able to bring that message and feel like you can shift that, help shift that consciousness into individuals? Yeah, I think the number one message um, from them, you know, the thing that I just keep getting, no matter what we're, we're talking about specifically uh, with them, it's, it's this kind of zero point neutrality um, and I've been struggling like with teachings for quite some time of like, well, what side am I on? And like, am I right wing or left wing or this or that? And honestly, I'm, I'm on neither side. And what they keep bringing up is we have to be as neutral as possible, as objective as possible in order to uh, really help humanity get to this next vibrational level. We exist at a polarizing, you know, dimension, a polarizing dimension. And it's really important that we can see both sides continuously. We can see light and dark. It's once again, it's not all butterflies and rainbows and it's okay to experience that darkness or that density. Um, but, but they really allow me to kind of take a look at both of those sides and have both of those experiences. Right on, which is good. You know, and, and it's, it's interesting to, to have that conversation, right. About neutrality and really, you know, cause some people say, well, you can't, you can't sit on the fence about something. You, you have to choose a side. You know, why, you know, why, why do you think that is? Why do you think people feel that someone has to make that choice? Well, I think once again, it comes down to that systemic issue, right? It's like, 
we've been indoctrinated our entire lives, especially in the Western world, to be us versus them. You know, especially in America, America is the biggest culprit of that, you know, of like land of the free, but also we have immigrant issues and we aren't going to let, you know, certain people in. And and I mean, it's insane. And um, and so I think it's it's totally that us first them mentality. I mean, all of this like war, like war on terror, mm. 9-11, I mean. It's like they created a whole system of fear. Um, I mean, look at the pandemic right now. It's a system of fear. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's fear thy neighbor. You know what I mean? It's literally the exact opposite of what it should be. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I think people who are polarized within themselves want to perpetuate that polarity agenda because mm-hmm. they're scared to be different. Right. So they're like, well, fuck you for not uh, be choosing a side, mm-hmm. you know, and it's and it's funny because like, especially when it comes down to like, yeah, the pandemic and the vaccine and COVID and all these things, the things that I speak on, because I think it's important to speak on at an objective, neutral level. Mm-hmm. Um, I get shit on from both sides. I really <laughs> I like I can't I'm not right on either side of things, because I've got still in my own community, people who are so polarized, it's like, whoa, EA, like that's wrong of you to say. And then on the other side, well, that's wrong of you to agree with. And it's like, I can't win because no. ultimately, you know, I'm not trying to win, you know, I'll, I'll just be here and continue to maintain my neutrality. And then eventually when people get to that neutrality themselves, they're like, thank God there's someone out there who's neutral about all of this. Thank God there's someone out there who can talk about this without being in fear, you Mm -hmm. know? So, and I think that that's what I've really truly learned from the Galactic Federation, the different councils and these higher vibrational beings is how to see all sides of this reality objectively uh, without choosing one side or the other. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So let me ask you this, if you don't mind, uh, you know, thinking about that, right. Kind of holding that, you know, close to our being just that wanting to unify and bring people together during, especially during such a polarizing time. Um, Do you feel that who you are as an individual, right. Or as a being, are you, are you feel like you're connected with your higher self, at all times, or do you feel like that sometimes because of the systemic influences that are out there, do you feel sometimes it's, it's a constant struggle? Like what, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, that's a great question. So when I started to like kind of reawaken at 18, um, you know, especially getting into the past life regression and understanding the ego and understanding the programming, essentially, I made a realization. I'm like, okay, well, all of my worst, most awful traits are my my ego, my emotions, my reactions, my attachments, my expectations. So I'm like, let's just go ahead and get rid of all of that. So I worked for about two years on completely getting rid of my human is what I called it. So I was just a conduit. I was always in my higher self. And um, like, I really lost sight of what it was to be human. Um, I was basically fasting all the time. I was resisting every aspect. My hair wouldn't grow for like two years. My nails wouldn't grow for two years. I'm like, this is bizarre, you know? And it's because I wasn't in my body long enough. 
Um, you know, I became an amazing channeler, but I lost friendships. I ruined relationships. Mm -hmm. I thought to myself, why would I spend all this time and energy with five members of my family when I could spend it with 500 people and awaken them? You know what I mean? Like the the whole concept and the identifiers of like, well, you're my mother. What does that really mean? Like, Mm. why do I have to align to that? Like, literally called into question every aspect of being human, got rid of all of that. I became a robot is what I became. I became a spiritual robot. And, uh, and I was actually really unhappy, which is, I, which is not what I expected because I didn't have that human connection. I didn't have that experience of look at the little snail, look at how cute this little snail is. You know what I mean? Like that's, you get excited (laughs) about life and I get to taste beautiful coffee and make amazing Mm. food and like, you know, stretch and feel that in my body. And like, I just lost touch. I lost sight with all of my senses, with my physical body as a whole. And I was really, truly in that higher self. Um, But I also became very kind of maybe pretentious is the right word, like spiritual kind of, uh, you know, it was like almost like a spiritual ego of like, well, you're focused on the wrong things. If you're worried about this term paper that's due next week, I mean, that's not the bigger picture here. Like, come on, what are you learning from this experience as a whole? I mean, it was it was next level, right? Mm. It was just like 24-7 that. I'm really glad that I experienced that to understand that pff, that's not what I want. I wanna, I want, I want both experiences. If I was supposed to be some sort of etheric or non-physical or interdimensional being, you know, off planet coming down to send messages, that's who I would have been. But I decided to be in this body. I decided to be human. I decided to have these experiences. So why not live it up? Why not ride a motorcycle? Why not feel it? Why not, you know, eat it? Why not like really just be here for it? Um, And it took me a really long time to actually love my human. And I think a lot of old souls feel this way too. We have so much resistance to this experience. (laughs) So one of my other like greatest teachings is like, I always tell people, I said, my greatest superpower, like you would think it's like my precognition or my clairvoyancy or whatever. My greatest superpower is being human, you know? And, uh, you know, it was like late 2019 and, um, I had clients all day. I don't have clients anymore, but I had clients all day. I was like channeling their interdimensional selves and going to the 12th dimension and receiving this information. And then my wife and I go out for a movie and I'm like sitting in the movie theater and we're eating my popcorn and I'm just making this realization of like, this is pretty cool. <laughs> I spent all day channeling the 12th dimension frequency. And now I'm in this box filled with people in this room, watching this projection on this wall and, eating popcorn. and I'm here for it. And I'm eating popcorn <laughs> and awesome. I'm here for it. Here I am being a human, you know? And it was like this really cool experience of like, I can have it all. Like I can do it all. And, uh, and so I have very human days where I'm like, oh, my God, I'm just in email hell all day, you know, just like running a business because that's what we, you know, customer service and like, I'm awakening the world, but we still have 200 emails in the inbox, you know, to help people, you know, connect with this information. So it's a, it's a really interesting dynamic that I'm in these days. Um and I love it. And I, and I, it's, it's all about a balance. It's once again, it's about both sides and having both sides um, equally. And, and I really think that teaching people how to be human while connecting is definitely the greatest teaching um, because we all really forget about being human. I just want to 
I just want to be an alien again. It's like, cool. I get that. I totally get where you're coming from. I know I want to be in like the seventh dimension too, but um, we're here and we chose to be here for a reason. Mm-hmm. So really be here, you know? Oh, so well put. And what a great perspective, right? And just thinking about yeah. that, like being here, I'm ch- I chose to be here in this moment, in this space and time I'm here. What are the takeaways, you know? And it's great that, you know, you're able to see that you're able to, you know, experience it and, and walk it, which is great. Um, gosh. It, uh, so in your book, you're not dying. You're just waking up, uh, which is, you know, and you talked about it earlier. I just think it's such a great title. Um, and it's so applicable to, you know, some of those conditions that you were, you were mentioning, you know, like how you can feel, you know, as someone personally, I suffer from some things, you know, some anxiety and, some obsessive compulsive disorders at times, you know, so there's always those things. And it's like, well, why did I choose to be here? And why did I choose to have anxiety and all these things, you know, um, what would you say to, to individuals out there who are really trying to, you know, open up their consciousness and really connect that, you know, maybe have some things that they're trying to deal with and work through. Okay. So I, I believe that like what I call them are the new humans, So they're basically just like humans who are old souls, you know, whatever you want to call them. But Mm. I really do believe that it's like this kind of like new birth of like a new kind of species. Um, Mm. I believe it's like, you know, uh, it's the extrasensory abilities. It's not just the five senses anymore. It is way more than that. And so in my book, I also talk about like um, anxiety as a superpower. Um, And basically, I believe that people who suffer from anxiety, OCD, people who are on the spectrum as well, like Asperger's, um, they are just working with different senses. And we have an education system that is working with people who are indoctrinated into the system. And... uh, you know, and it's, it's working with the old humans, you know, it's working with the 3d it's working with like, well, this is your math and this is your science. Like it still blows my mind that no one ever told me in, in school, like not elementary, not high school, that I could be an entrepreneur, that I could just make my own business. Blows my mind. Blows Mm -hmm. my mind. No, you have to be a doctor or a lawyer or maybe a grocery bagger, you know, but like, that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's just so crazy. It's like, follow the rules or fit into, fit into the system, you know, right. pick a job that's already out there rather than creating your own. Now, I think the education system maybe is changing on that. Hopefully they're teaching kids about entrepreneurship, hopefully. Um, but yeah, so I, I really do believe that, um, these things are ways that our new minds process the world around us. Uh, in the next level. So like anxiety is, I believe that we're picking up on many different timelines. We're picking up on many different outcomes. We're picking up on many different energies and it's very overwhelming for us to process. Um, I also believe that anxiety is, um, it's a switch in vibration. So a good example of this is Say, for example, you spent an hour, you know, meditating and then all of a sudden your friend's like, yo, like I'm going out to the bar, like come grab a beer with me. And you're like, yeah, sure. Like I'll go do that. Cause that's what I do and whatever. And so you go out to the bar and you have a freaking panic attack. You're like, oh my God, why do I feel so anxious? And it's because you just spent an hour meditating in one vibration and now you're switching your vibration over. So one way to kind of navigate that is to prepare yourself for the vibrational switch. 
Um, this is, I have a whole chapter, a really big chapter on anxiety actually in the book, because it is a huge part of um, the awakening. And it's also a huge part of these new humans. So I talk about in the book that awakening is your spidey sense. If you start to feel panic or anxiety, that means that the energy is, is changing. So really to ask yourself, what about my physical reality or my vibrational reality is switching right now? And you can kind of get on top of that. Right. Um, I also, I've seen a lot of people with like OCD tendencies. I have my own OCD, the obsessive and then the compulsive of like, you, you have to say something or you have to do something because you're obsessing about it so much that you have to like, just do it. So um, that's also a really big part of, uh, of these new, new humans, you know, same thing with being on the spectrum. Um, and just processing the world around you in a different way, your brain functioning and working a different way. The saddest part about these new humans, like it really freaking breaks my heart, is the parents who are incapable of dealing with their kids who just process the reality a different way. And that because they're so indoctrinated, they're like, oh, well, the next step is to take you to a doctor and to get you medication because that's all the doctor can, can, can give is medication. And it's like, come on, parents, like try a little harder instead of sticking an iPad in your kid's face at two years old and then saying, well, why do you have attention deficit disorder? I mean, like be present with them. You know, it just it really breaks my heart to see that we just don't have the systems in place for the children who are coming in. And I really believe that these younger generations are because they feel outcasted, because they feel like their parents just did not get, have a clue, they're going to be creating the systems for the, their kids um, to be like, whoa, 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 there's, a, there's an alternative to the education system. Right. Whoa, 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 there's an alternative to technology 24-7. Whoa, there's an alternative to medication. Um, and, and this is what it is, you know? Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I feel like that's where we're at now. We're, we're in this awakening. We're in the shift of the paradigm that, you know, folks are coming into this dimension and on this earth now and things need to change that the curriculum that's there, it's, it's not what's best. It needs to change. The only constant is the change. And yet as humans, we get so set in our ways instead of just being fluid and just embracing that and just loving it just goes back to that that unconditional love and, and that trust trust the process yeah and i wanted to actually talk you know you just brought up the word fluid so i consider myself fluid like i have a wife um i've been with men my whole life until i met my right human who happened to be <laughs> a woman um and so like I've been wanting to do a video about this for a while, but I also know I'm going to get so shit on that. Like, I'm like, mm, maybe people aren't ready for it. Maybe my own community isn't ready for it because it's the PC. It's the political correctness. It's like, mm. Oh my mm. God, it drives me nuts, you know? And so, um, so people are like, Oh, so you're gay. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Oh, okay, cool. You're bi. I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> you know, it's like, why do I have to so I identify as she, her, and sometimes non-binary, but then I have like this flair of like, I'm a little bit asexual with a little splash of the bisexual. And it's like, I can say this because I'm in the community, but holy shit, like, come on, LGBTQIAZPEV. I mean, when are we going to stop with the fucking labels? Like, seriously, it drives me nuts. And that's just one community, mm. right? Where we have to have an identifier and a label. And it's like, 
we're trying to unify and we're completely separating. Like we are continuously driving home the us versus them. Well, if you don't identify with the she, her, or the non-binary, or now I look, identify sexually as a female, but I'm actually a male. So you can call me a he, even though I have one. And that's okay. And I get that everyone has their own thing and we're all special and unique. And if that feels right for you, it feels right for you. But the second that you're like, these are all my identities. And if you don't call me or recognize all of my identities, then now I'm upset. And now you don't see me as who I am. And it's like, why can't you just be a human and be your unique self without labels, without identifiers? Um, So I consider myself fluid. Look, we've all had past lifetimes where we're male and female. We've all had different kind of sexuality experiences in these past lifetimes. We are very well-rounded, eclectic beings. Let's get away from the labels. Like, come on. So I identify as fluid. I believe that everyone is fluid. I don't care if you're gay, straight, bi, you know, try, whatever. Um, I feel like we're all fluid. And, And it's the same thing with like diet. So many of my community members are like, oh, well, Elizabeth, you know, you're a channeler. And like, in order to keep your energies clear, I know that you have to be vegan, right? Because like, you got to have a certain diet to like, be able to channel. And I said, been there, done that. Okay. Tried all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't resonate with me. And why didn't it resonate with me? Because the second I identified with the fact of being vegan, I felt so much guilt and shame for eating a bag of chips that had a little bit of milk, whatever powder in it. And all of a sudden I'm a bad vegan and I can't, can't call myself a vegan if I'm eating these chips that are not vegan. And who am I if I'm not vegan? And it's, it just blows my mind that like, we're just compounding guilt and shame mm. and polarity and us versus them and identifiers. And it's like, so people are like, so what's your diet then? Oh my God. Like I need to know, cause I need to do what you're doing. I'm like, you know what? My diet, it's intuitive. What? What does that mean? I don't know. I mean, I've never heard of that before. What, what are the rules? What, what can I follow? It's like, actually, you just listen to yourself. How about that? How about you tune into yourself every day? And you're like, Hey body, what's up? What do you need today? You want some ice cream? Cool. Let's go for it. Yeah. Done. You want some sugar in the morning? Go for it. Oh, you really feel like broccoli? Go for it. You know what I mean? Like I, it's just, I understand that we need to shine light on minorities and we really need to shine light on the deficits within society. Like I took a political science degree. Like I understand like how messed up this whole system is and society and how marginalization is actually a thing and like how it's really fucked up, how people of color get paid less and like women get paid less and the same rules. Like that blows my mind. I'm Canadian. Like we we're pretty, we're pretty equal there. Mm-hmm. Um, but America is really twisted. So I get that we really need to kind of swing on the one end of the spectrum to shine a light on these minorities. And that's important. But also we need to like, I'm just waiting for us to kind of get back to the middle to say, we're all human. We all deserve equal rights. And let's stop over labeling ourselves because you're going to have a panic attack every single day trying to align to the the contracts and the conditions and the labels that you're putting on yourself, you know? Um, Yeah. That gives me anxiety. So I have an intuitive diet. I'm a fluid person and I'm just me. And people are like, so what do you do for a living? I'm just, I'm just me. I don't have a, I don't, 
I don't do anything. I'm just myself, you know, and I think that's really brilliant. Um, and so it's just these identifiers once again, that, uh, that really just kind of throw me for a loop. And, and I'm, I'm waiting for the day when people just show up without anything and they're just themselves. And, and that's kind of, that's how I'm trying to lead my own life. I mean, once again, there's, there's always those days, but I'm really trying to lead my life that way and then show people through example, rather than trying to just kind of teach and preach all the time. I think that's awesome. It, it's just well put and heartfelt sincerely. Um, it's just being yourself, your authentic self, you know, something that I don't think, I don't think children are allowed to do all the time. It's sad, you know, and how, you know, we can kind of grow into adulthood and not, not feel comfortable right away, just being ourselves with our thoughts, you know, like you said, you know, being worried what somebody might think, being worried that someone might judge us. And so it's important, I think, just for everyone to just say, hey, it's all good. You know, you're loved. And I think that's the, the probably the biggest, the biggest thing now more than ever is just that, that love piece, that light piece. Wow. I was moved. I was very moved by that. So thank you for sharing. Yeah. That. yeah. And just like you mentioned, it always comes back to unconditional love. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's kind of been the theme of this, this episode is that unconditional love. Like that is the, the overarching, you know, message always. Yeah. And probably the most important, you know, I think in my opinion, granted, I may be biased because I believe in unconditional love, but I'm biased. And I think it's important, um, especially now. Um, um, got a little teared up. I apologize. Um, uh, no, no apologies. I will not apologize. Um, when it comes to you saying being your, your authentic self and, you know, intuitive diet and everything, you know, like that well-being, that self-love, how critical do you think that is to, you know, now more than ever? Like, obviously we both, I would surmise, think it's critical, but, um, how could we, I don't know, I guess, how could we, how could we get some people to open their hearts and minds to, to really embracing that? Yeah. I mean, ultimately, I mean, that comes down, that's everything, right? Mm. Like that is like the whole precipice of awakening is, is that, uh, authentic self. Right. And if you don't know who you are, because when I was, you know, 16, I was like, I don't know, I don't even know who I am. So how do I know what I want? How do I know a career path to take? Like, how do I know anything? Um, I feel like people are later in their life and they have no idea who they are because they've been living their entire lives through that autopilot. Well, this is what my mother told me to do. So I did it. Well, this is the career path my dad told me to do. So I did it because I didn't know. So I just took the advice of other people. Right. You've been living through everyone else's projection rather than understanding yourself. And when you do that, your relationship, your job, your finances, your dynamics with your kids, your understanding of self. I mean, all of that is um, surface level or shallow or just completely unrelated to who you are really, truly, authentically. So the number one thing that I could recommend for people is to get rid of all external influences. 
Mm. It's easy to say, super, super hard to do. Meditation obviously is a great practice to do this, um, but there's other ways and it would be kind of like healthy boundaries, right? So maybe you want to take a week off and not go on vacation and not have a plan every single day and just do nothing. Like it's kind of like that 10 day silent meditation retreat that I did. It's like, who are you when you don't have technology? Who are you when you don't have a social media projection handle pictures, whatever, you know, who are you when you don't have an identity? Who are you when you don't have a family to take care of and you don't have the identity as a mother or a wife or a father or whatever, like who are you apart from all of your identifiers? Mm -hmm. So step one is recognizing those identifiers, recognizing the projections uh, from the outside world and, and the identities that you have have and possess and are attached to. Step two is letting them go, is neutralizing them, is stepping back from them. Um, and that's really scary because it's like, holy shit, if I'm not a mom, then who am I? Right. And if I'm not a social media influencer, then who am I? Right? right? It's like, it's ridiculous that we cannot go a second without having the knowledge of who we think we are. Mm-hmm. Um, the second we're able to really succumb to the nothingness Whew, that is when everything unfolds for you. And it takes a while. You got to succumb to it. You got to surrender to that nothingness for a while before you're comfortable in it. The second that you're comfortable in it, you can start to really look inward and say, all right, who do I want to be? I don't want to be a firefighter. I don't want to be a garage door repairman. Um, I want to be a kind human being that's, that's who I want to be. You know, we start to realize that pretty much 95% of our lives are bullshit. (laughs) And the only thing that really matters is that kindness is that unconditional love is that, is that you feel like, you know, who you are, because you don't need to attach yourself to any aspect of your reality. Because you are none of those things. I am not the coffee that I drink in the morning. I am not my interest in aliens. I am not the hair that I have on my head or the clothes that I wear on my body. I am not the relationship that I am in. I am not the job title that I possess. I am none of those things. And the second that you're comfortable being none of it is the second that you really figure out who you are, uh, which is that soul, you know, is that infinite uh, love frequency. And once you're at that place, I mean, watch out world, right? But also once you're at that place, uh, just keep in mind that, you know, all of your foundations and systems might collapse. You, You might lose your job. You might lose your relationship because you might actually wake up and realize, shit, this isn't me. None of this is me. And none of this is aligned to who I am truly and who I am stepping into and becoming. Um, and we need the willingness to change from our outside world to in order to accept the new version of ourselves. If your relationship, if your partner cannot accept that you're changing, right. they don't have to change. But if they can accept that you're changing, then that's going to be an issue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean that the relationship itself is an issue. But the willingness to accept change from your partner is so key. The willingness for every aspect of your reality to accept you changing is key. The only thing that really blocks you from taking that leap, making that change is yourself. Yeah, it's, it's true. And, and why it, it's so challenging for folks that are in relationships to be able to, you know, adapt and say, well, 
you know, whether their partner's changing and maybe they're having their own, you know, it could be a spiritual change. It could be just the, their outlook on life. It could be anything. And it's so difficult. You know, people just become so attached to this idea of like, that's part of their own identity, even though it's somebody else. And they don't see the fact that they're, they're missing out on who they are and are responsible for their, their own thoughts, feelings, actions, beliefs. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, so I think that was really well put. Um, uh, George actually had a question that he wanted me to ask you. And if I didn't oh. ask, yeah, he, he told me, he said, can you just make sure you ask this question for me? So doing this for George, um, George asks Bigfoot, interdimensional being, or just a really big animal creature thing. Okay, cool. Yeah. Great question. Um, I have had like, I've had a decent amount of channeling with Bigfoot um, as far as like through other clients who live up in the mountains and they've had their experiences and I've kind of, you know, taken a look at those experiences. I, I have, uh, you know, I had one client um, up in BC, like kind of like the mountains of BC and uh, he started making contact with uh, one Bigfoot creature in particular um, I tapped into their energy. So like, what do you want from him? And they really wanted apples. So he would like on this, like, um, cut down like tree stump, he would put all these apples and then the next day they'd be gone. It was, it was really cool. So I've had those kind of experiences. Um, here's my opinion, but it's, um, I would say I'm definitely not an expert by any means. I believe that Bigfoot creatures are fourth dimensional beings okay basically like you could think like um entities um you could say fairy beings or like uh, elemental beings are all fourth dimensional um a lot of the like uh um shaman wolf shapeshifter type of uh beings as well are fourth dimensional and it's very kind of indigenous rooted um, and so fourth dimensional is like, yes, they're physical for sure. Um, but they are also non-physical. Mm. So it's kind of difficult because I've also had a lot of experience like with, um, fourth dimensional creatures, like fairies and like, you know, elemental beings. And, and sometimes you can see them and sometimes you can't see them. And that's kind of the nature of fourth dimensional. So I believe Bigfoot creatures, they're definitely not just big, hairy, you know, there's way more mystery behind them. I believe that they're extremely telepathic. Um, I believe that they have certain abilities. Like if you were to witness them, uh, they actually can change your memory um, to, to project, basically they can project a different thought gotcha. uh, in your mind of like, Oh, I just saw a big owl or something like that Gotcha. instead. So yeah, I believe that they have, uh, definitely other abilities. Um, as far as like how they got to this planet, I'm definitely unsure. I do believe that Bigfoot have a lot of contact and connection with uh, UFOs as well. Like, and I'm not, I'm unsure of like, 
are they kind of calling those beings in or which is probably the more kind of realistic likely is those beings are uh, observing Bigfoot creatures and maybe abducting them and, and, and uh, watching them and things like that. And that's why they're kind of correlated as well. So yeah. And then one more kind of ability that I know Bigfoot have is like projecting their voice, kind of like um, the puppeteering. I don't know what that's called again. Like vent- you, I, ventriloquism? Ventriloquism, yeah. yeah, exactly. They're able to do that as well as, um, from what I've kind of gathered. But uh, yeah, so I, I definitely think that they're hard to pin down because they're not just all one or all the other. They're not all physical or all non-physical. Gotcha. Oh, well, I'm sure George is going to be psyched. You know, it was the yeah. one question he said, man, please, <laughs> please ask this question. I said, I will 100% anything for you, buddy. Yeah, I, I love George. George, I love you. He's going to edit this and be so excited. Uh, awesome. It's going to be pumped. So I won't even tell him what your answer is at all. I'm just going to let him find out for himself. It'll be a nice little gem. Yep. Yep. <laughs> love it. That's awesome. <laughs> so um, obviously you have your book. Uh, you're not dying. You're just waking up. You're working on any new books. I am. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So I'm halfway through my second book. Um, I don't know what the title is yet, uh, but it's. Okay, the working title, I'll just put it out there. The working title is Drumroll. Badass Interviews with Interdimensionals. That's so, awesome. yeah, or Badass Interviews with Aliens, I'm not sure yet. Uh, or Badass Interviews with ETs. I mean, it's just, it's all a vibration thing. Um, but yeah, it's pretty much interviewing interdimensional beings from the Galactic Federation of Light. And basically asking them a series of questions, very similar to what this interview is. Mm. So I'll ask them a question. They'll give me a response. I'm typing their response as the response comes in. Gotcha. Um, so it's a it's the easiest book I've ever had to write because awesome. it's really just, you know, typing away a conversation that I'm having. But it, it is very draining and exhausting because I do have to astral travel up to their ship in order to communicate with them. So it's, it's a constant like raising the vibration, lowering the vibration back into my body okay. to relay the information via t- uh, typing. Gotcha. So I'm, yeah. Oh, great. Looking it's, forward it's to that. Quite a long book um, because I have eight different beings that I'm interviewing. So, but I also have like an illustrator who's illustrated what they look like. So that's going to really help the reader also connect uh, to those beings as well. So, yeah, so that's uh, hopefully coming out in 2022, if not the beginning of 2023 for sure. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. Um, and uh, on Peacock, uh, if anyone has has seen you on Unidentified with, uh, so how did that come about? Yeah, it was just um, a producer from uh, basically the network who's like, hey, we really love your stuff. Um, we showed your interview. Uh, so they interviewed me. They showed it to Demi Lovato. And they're like, Demi loves you. You know, awesome. let's have you on. And so I was basically on that TV show uh, to help Demi Lovato kind of connect with interdimensionals and aliens. Um, and UFOs. And so we went to Sedona, we sat in a giant energy vortex, and we called them in. And it's crazy how the show didn't really show as many of the the lights and the orbs and the things that we saw. Like, it was absolutely insane, the amount of contact we made that night um my whole body was just buzzing after so i'm happy that someone like demi lovato who has a huge network like i don't really know their stuff but um has a huge network and it's great to see someone like that 
awakening, questioning, opening up and mm-hmm. helping the world uh, make contact. hundred percent. I think you're right. You know, especially someone that has that kind of reach, you know? Um, so uh, have some stuff going on with Gaia as well currently. Uh, yeah. So I did some interviews with Gaia TV um, a couple years ago. That was really fantastic. And then moving forward, I've got, um, this is like super top secret information, but um, I have an interview with George Norrie. Um, hey. And I know, right? I was like, <laughs> that's I, awesome. I was, this is like incredible. So like my super fan, I'm like, I'm never a super fan, but like, he's awesome. Yeah. And uh, he's got his own show on Gaia TV called Beyond Belief. Mm-hmm. So I'm interviewing and flying out to Colorado for that in uh, March. So that's going to be really fantastic. I'm so excited that's to kind of awesome. meet him and connect. And I'm hoping like if I make a big enough impact, I really want to be on coast to coast. Like oh that my gosh. would be a dream come true. I know. Yes. I know. That's like the <laughs> ultimate goal. Yep. So hopefully I'm just like you know, <laughs> manifesting that, that I plant the seeds with him. He invites me you. to coast to coast. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, and then I've also got like an amazing membership program too. Like if people really love the content that I'm talking about or really want to get to know more, definitely check out the membership. It's called the cosmic society. It's a ton of like-minded individuals. We've got an amazing community. You get to chat with everyone from all around the world. We offer so many things like cool, like space games on there. And we've got an Oracle card deck and we've got tons of content and coaching calls and Q and A's and like, you name it. Like, it's just, it's such a full community. We also have a free level of the membership too. So if you just want to kind of come in, check it out, be a free member, um, definitely recommend that. Um, but if you really just want to dip your toes in, I recommend Instagram or YouTube, uh, for content, but especially YouTube, just binge watch all the videos I have on there. Cause uh, it's a lot of content and I believe that knowledge will shift your DNA it will really truly awaken you. So mm-hmm. if you are just beginning, check out the book on Amazon. Um, and if you want to deep dive a little bit more, check out the videos on YouTube. Hundred percent. Oh, that's great. Well, I'm yeah. I'm psyched for you. Um, I know you will be on coast to coast. You will be on coast <laughs> to coast. It's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I know George Nori. I'm sorry. I, I have a beard, not just an awesome mustache, but uh, George Nori is top. So I mean, yeah, uh, I'm awesome. psyched for you. It's gonna it's gonna yeah, be cool. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That's yeah. Awesome. It's such a pleasure connecting with you today, Jay. Yes. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, I can't thank you enough. And where can people find you on Instagram? Yeah, it's just honestly Elizabeth April on all social media platforms. So even Perfect. if you just Google Elizabeth April, it's uh, it's right there. That's awesome. Super. And I'll be sure uh, we'll put the links below as well, too. So um, thank you so much for doing this. And uh, hopefully we do it again soon. Perfect. Thank you, Jay. And there you have it. I am just so grateful for Elizabeth April sharing her spiritual gifts with me and all of us today. There were so many gems in that conversation really big takeaways like our willingness to change and uh, the main theme of this really was unconditional love wasn't it and how imperative it is to implement that kind of change in our own lives and in the world around us really appreciate elizabeth april sharing those messages from the galactic federation of light and about zero point neutrality and objectivity Some things that I feel like are crucial now in such a polarizing time. We really do need to focus on our commonalities and not our differences. 
We even talked about her book, You're Not Dying, You're Just Waking Up. It's a number one best-selling book on Amazon. Be sure to check out elizabethapel.com where you can find out about different workshops and courses and even membership sign up. You can find Elizabeth April on Instagram at elizabeth.april. And be sure to check out her podcast, Expand with Elizabeth April. If you can, take a moment and rate our podcast. Leave a comment or a review below. And if you're watching this, be sure to hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and hit that notification bell. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey. Until next time, take care of one another and keep thinking for yourself. Thank you.